my name is Maggie. I am a compulsive overeater. So I don't know if there was ever a time in life when food was not the most important thing. Even as a kid, it, it was my driving force. And because I had absolutely no control over it, I had no way of detaching myself from it. I always thought that I had a deep moral failing. And honestly, I, I felt like I was a monster, um, that there was something just fundamentally, fundamentally broken in me and that I was so bad. And because of this, I, I put on this false front, this, this happy front, this smile. I had to be the, the, the kindest, the most thoughtful, the happiest, the, the friendliest. I called it aggressive friendliness. And I, I couldn't show any vulnerability. I couldn't show any struggle, any doubt, anything. Because I thought if I did that, then people would know how terrible I was. So it was a lonely, lonely time. Because I always felt like I had to keep up this facade. Uh, a good example is uh, just before I turned 18, my dad passed away. And in the, the following week uh, with the viewing and the uh, burial, um, I smiled so much and so hard, my face hurt. Because I just didn't know who else to be if I wasn't that friendly person. And because of all the, the harm that I had caused, that I didn't know how to let go of or how to work through, I carried so much guilt and I became so good at secrets and I became so good at lying. And it, it, it was even so good that I was lying to myself and I didn't even realize it. I would find myself in situations where I always painted myself as the victim, as the one who was just trying to, you know, do their best because I was the nicest. Um, and somehow something would happen to me. And it wasn't that terrible. Um, like I just, I had no objective view on how life was. And I, I had no objective view on who I was because I saw myself as the, the tough one and the one who would do it all on her own and the selfless person. Uh, but it turns out I was really selfish. I made, I, I could make any situation about me. So good at it. And I was honestly expecting and just waiting for people to fix my life for me. And so that, that's, that's who I was. That's who I was showing up as. And 
food became a bigger and bigger and bigger part of my life because I kept trying to escape myself. I kept trying to escape reality because it was so confusing and life was impossible to deal with and to understand. And so I got to a point where I was battling these huge knockdown, drag out fights only in my head. And the only way I need to escape that just temporarily to, to shut that down was to binge. And so it was, it was then that, the, you know, food became the most important thing in my life. I've been blessed with wonderful people in my life. And I'm married to my best friend and my favorite person in the world. And I could not wait for him to leave so that I could get to my food, so that I could escape. And so um, I got to a point where I was some point over 400 pounds because my doctor's office scale only went up to 400. So I gave it good lean on the wall. So I'd be somewhere under that. And I was hopeless. I was hopeless to stop this. because I had tried so many times to fix this myself. Probably all of you know that's impossible when it comes to this disease, when it comes to this, because I'm an addict. But I didn't know that. I, it wasn't until my partner um, found out about OA and suggested that, you know, maybe I should give it a try. It might be the right fit for me. Um, that I had any idea. I, I had never heard of OA. And when I went to OA, per my partner's suggestion, it was totally to just give some breathing room to get him off my back for a little bit so that I could go back to my food and he would be none the wiser to kind of placate him. You know, it's, it's so easy for me to identify with Bill's story because my approach to OA was exactly like Bill's approach when his friend shows up and is sober and is found religion. And Bill says, bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my gin would last longer than his preaching. That's exactly how I saw it. Because I could hold my breath for a really long time, as long as I knew that there was my binge at the other end of that. So that's why I went to, to OA. And at that first meeting in Golden, I realized, holy crow, this is exactly who I am. And that was revolutionary. It was the first time I realized it wasn't just me. I wasn't completely alone in my inability to control my food. And it helped me to realize I wasn't morally broken. I wasn't morally bankrupt. 
I had a disease. I'm an addict. It was wildly eye-opening. And I feel like there's been a few phases of my OA experience. The first few months, I attended meetings regularly. I went once a week to a meeting and didn't change any aspect of my life outside of that. And it felt great. You know, like, oh, I understand this now. That's great. But I kept binging and nothing else changed. And then after a few months, I started working with a sponsor. The sponsor was more kind and more patient than I deserved. Uh, Because this first time trying to work with stuff was run completely by my will. Uh, which turns out that does not work at all. Because if I'm the one in charge in any situation in life, as I come to realize it, things just go to pot. It just doesn't work. Because I was the one deciding what foods were okay, what foods were not okay. And because of that, that opened a door, this wide chasm that I could totally wiggle into and, and find the excuse of why this one time it'll be fine. Or this type of bread is not okay, but this one over here, that's totally fine. I was the one picking and choosing and playing around. And instead of working, I was doing the steps as long as it was convenient for me. And it's funny, I, again, in, uh, in Bill's story, when he, <laughs> and I remember the first time I read this, when he's talking about trying to find the answer. And, and this line really, really struck me because I underlined it twice and I put it in brackets and I put stars around it, around it that surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. And that first time I worked the steps, that was my solution. And it's funny because I saw such power in that one line and totally missed the very next line where it says, but it was not for the frightful day came when I drank once more. So the first time I worked the steps, it was through my own will and I was looking to self-knowledge to fix this for me. And the main motivator was my partner because my partner deserved someone better than me. But we can't work this for anybody except ourselves. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work. And so eventually my sponsor very kindly um, said that, you know, this, this doesn't seem to be working uh, for either of us. And she let me go, which again is completely understandable. But with this food, I had failed over and over and over and over again before I ever came to program. And so being in program and failing one more time, that fear of failing again That kept me out of recovery for over a year and a half. 
I was still going to meetings, I was still volunteering, I was still in OA, but I was not getting any solution. And I was so sad and confused because I saw so many people who had lives just as busy as mine, who had found recovery and found ease from this disease. And it's funny when people say like, oh, here's my OA birthday date. I'm like, how the, how, how do you know what day that is? But for me, I, I do. It was the first day of the Northern Colorado Convention this past October. I was in a room filled with people who had been where I was, who had struggled in this disease, and people who had found recovery. And I was so baffled as to why I just couldn't make this make sense. <laughs> and I was still leaning on self-knowledge, like, okay, I'm going to understand this. And so I was surrounded by a whole bunch of people and I'm sitting there just crying and writing madly in a notebook, trying to, to understand why I can't do this. And somebody I had been going to meetings with uh, for a while, she, uh, she saw me and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm good. And she's like, okay, well, I'm calling BS. And I just explained my absolute bafflement. And I asked if she knew anyone who would be willing to work with me. And she said, I'm right here. I've been waiting for a year and a half for this. And so that was the start of what has been revolutionary and life-changing and life-giving to me. Because at that moment, I had finally found that desperation. And it's so funny that we can get elated at seeing people at that point of desperation. Because it seems like that's the last thing you would want for people. But we know that that desperation gives people that chance to have that complete willingness that's needed to, to find ease out of this, out of this disease. So off I went on my second try and uh, the steps. It was so different. This time it, it was not my will running the show. It was me and my sponsor looking to, to higher power. And let me be clear, I thought that it was lovely that other people relied on a higher power and had trust in a higher power. I really, I, it seemed really nice for them. And I just didn't think it was possible for me. Uh, but this is what my sponsor said. So I was willing. I was willing to give it a try. So since this was not under my will, I had to write down every food I had abused or could not control. 
and that was tough. And then I had to read it to somebody else, <laughs> which was also tough. And that person was kind enough to work with me and show me the repeating patterns of foods that, and ingredients that would show up and show up and show up and show up and show up. And through that, I was able to learn what my alcoholic foods were. And for me, that being determined outside of myself was essential. And also for me, not putting those in my body made all the difference. And so for me, that that meant working with a nutritionist because I had no idea what a regular meal looked like at this point. So having a plan, making all my own food, which seemed completely overwhelming. There's no way I could do that until it became a habit. And then it was just something I did and it was normal. And it's funny how my disease, especially at the beginning, tried to pull me back in, tried to just hold on with claws because this is all I had known. And it was familiar. And it can't be that bad. It was. It was absolutely that bad. But my disease told me it wasn't. And thank God I, I was at that point of desperation and had that complete willingness to be told what was causing my allergy and my obsession. And the things that my disease tried to use to pull me back in was the thought that because I could no longer go have dinner with my partner at our local club on Thursday. He was going to leave me. My partner, who was the one who got me into OA, was definitely going to leave me because I couldn't go out for dinner. This person who's been by my side for 10 years, that was his breaking point. And of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. But that's what my disease was willing to tell me. But I just kept my head down and I kept doing the work. And that was at work, working the steps, not at my convenience, but putting time and effort and energy into finding that solution and hoping it was there for me. And the other big difference that, that this willingness gave me is that I was finally not looking for an excuse to go back to the food. I was not looking for a stressful time or an emotional time. It was finally looking for recovery and finding that more important than staying in the misery. That was the only thing I had known. And so even though I didn't think I could have a higher power, I just put my head down and did that work. And then at one point I looked up from doing that work and there I was in recovery. And I was so connected and had such trust in my higher power. And I had it because I had seen over and over and over that when I let my higher power lead, 
it shows up and brings results and resolutions that are a million times better than anything I could have ever come up with. And so seeing that over and over and over, how could I not believe that my higher power had me? And that's the thing, my higher power, it's got my back, it always has. Even when I ignored it, even when I pretended that it didn't have me and keep me safe. It's always been there. And now having that, that chance to be out of the disease, I'm able to see my higher power show up and really lean into my higher power. And now being in recovery, my life is completely different. I know what I'm responsible for and what I'm not responsible for. I don't try to solve everybody else's problems. The things I'm responsible for is my actions, my behaviors. That's it. That's all I got. And and I have this neutrality. Neutrality around the food, neutrality around my emotions. I used to be like an absolute roller coaster, huge highs, low, 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 low. And now I I'm even keel, uh, which I don't know if that sounds exciting to you, but it is amazing to me. And with that neutrality in the food, I honestly thought that I would just be holding my breath and holding my food resentments until I died. And that's how my recovery was going to look. And it doesn't, it doesn't, I can have anything in the house. Because I know what my plan is, and I know what my food is, and that's all that matters. This recovery is giving me a chance to see food as food, not as the be-all, end-all, not as this huge emotional attachment that I couldn't imagine giving up, not as the thing I served and was willing to live and die for. I was dying in this disease. Now food is just the thing that fuels my body. Because now, instead of waiting to die early and just accepting that as my lot in life, I'm living, I am a part of life. This program has brought me life. And it brought me peace. I don't have to live in my head and fight all these imaginary battles anymore. I don't have to put on that false front. I don't have to always be great. Sometimes I can be kind of crappy. And if something's bothering me, I don't have to hide and pretend it doesn't exist and take it out on food. I can say, I can say my worries out loud. I can tell people my shortcomings. I can tell I am flawed. I am completely flawed. I am getting up and trying to do my best. But I'm always going to fail. And that's fine because I'm going to keep getting up. 
and keep trying to be my best person. So when I screw up, I can own it. I don't have to live in shame and secrets and lies. That works pretty, pretty darn well. And the fellowship and tools that I've gained from LA is so valuable to me. And I, I so appreciate every person who has taken the time to, to talk with me and share their experience. But the thing that keeps me recovered is that that personal relationship and that full trust and complete reliance, giving up my will to my higher power, that is where my recovery lies. For me, I have, you know, just for ease and shorthand, I call my higher power God. And my biggest mantra over and over and over is go to God. If I am worried about something, go to God. If I am anxious about something, if I'm sad, if I'm resentful, go to God. I still have to put in my work and my time to make sure that I am living and working out my resentments instead of going back into my disease. But I need to go to God. That is where my reliance and my solution lies. And that has given me the daily chance to, to choose recovery and to show up in life as a better version of myself. One that I don't hate and one who is so filled with gratitude and appreciation and the kindness and love and patience that is so in abundance because of my higher power. Thanks.